Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to call this one Never Richer. Before we get to that fresh data, I want to just uh, remind you, I stated earlier this week in the podcast that as we get up towards these highs, the odds were high that the first effort to break out of this 20-month trading range would be unlikely successful. And uh, surely it would quickly drive hundreds of headlines and stories about another failed breakout attempt sure to drive a flock of black swans into our windshields again. My concern remains simple. The etch in my gut tells me that this summer swoon may, and I say may, be rather paltry. It could be very choppy, and it could be one of those we'll get one step forward and one and a half steps back, and then two steps forward and one and three quarters steps back. But it could be ugly in that sense, just not in a big point sense. So what's our excuse of the day? It's Friday. We're heading into a weekend and the market's down about a percent. Lots of experts got airtime this week. They spoke of gold and the, quote, $10 trillion of negative interest rate bonds out there with Mr. Gross, bond king, calling it a supernova sure to explode. I wonder if he could have thought of any other more strikingly emotional words I guess the new normal thing that he got famous over, thousands of points lower on the Dow, just got too boring. Listen, the jangling of nerves today is about the record low rate in German boons against our 10-year bonds, which are now down to 1.62%. Despite all the encouraging signs staring, in the, staring us in the face, the 10-year Treasury yields are back to very, very low levels. This suggests market participants continue to lack any confidence and are viewing the good news with very significant doses of skepticism, clearly fearful that things are more likely to deteriorate than to improve further. As stated here on your podcast for years, it's not about the Fed. It's about risk aversion. People aren't being forced to buy 1.62% 10-year bonds. They're buying it because they're terrified. In case we were ever again thinking of like it used to be, I have a graphic I'm going to read off to you that shows what happens in one Internet minute in 2016. It gives you a tiny glimpse into what Generation Y is bringing to the table to change the world only to heat up further to the next level of blazing activity when Generation Z gets beyond 10 years of age. They're in the wings as well. What happens in one 2016 Internet Minute? Well, here's a list of the full stats on what happens every single 60 seconds. 701,000 logins on Facebook. 69,440 hours are watched on Netflix, 150 emails, excuse me, 
150 million emails are sent. 1,389 Uber rides are taken. 528,000 photos are shared on Snapchat. 51,000 app downloads are done on Apple's App Store. Remember, there was no such thing as an app six years ago. $203,500 in sales are completed on Amazon.com. 120 plus new LinkedIn accounts are created. Here's a big one. 347,000 tweets are sent on Twitter in 60 seconds. 28,200 new posts to Instagram. 38,000 plus hours of music are listened to on Spotify. 1.04 million Vine loops are done. 2.4 million search queries are done on Google in 60 seconds. 972,000 Tinder swipes are done. 2.78 million video views on YouTube and 20.8 million messages on WhatsApp. By the way, that is all in a 60-second period on the Internet. I point those out because the barbell economy is moving forward aggressively. That list above does not do it all justice. The ripple effect is nearly impossible to measure as communication everywhere becomes nearly real-time. Under all the chaos and chatter leading too many off track and into the woods, massive shifts are underway. The process of the baton being passed is driving confusion and blinding too many to the explosive opportunity ahead. It takes patience and discipline to wait these issues out. It's also confounding Fed officials because they're watching a dashboard of data, the measurement processes of which were created 50 years ago. No wonder it looks confusing. Think President Reagan's trickle-down economy on the best steroids money can buy. Fearing the change that we must accept is dangerous to your future wealth. Buying into the doomsday chance is easy. Sometimes it feels better, somehow even smarter, but it too is dangerous. That's why they call building wealth over long-term periods is investing and not fun. Speaking of fun, it's official. We have never been richer. Even as crowd sentiment shows that many continue to fret over what will go wrong next, our wealth, whether we like it or not, is building. The naysayers are wrong again. Let's review a couple of thoughts. The Fed has released its latest estimate of the balance sheet of U.S. households. The good news, even as we are living in the weakest recovery ever, household net worth reached a record new high in nominal, real, and per capita terms. Note also that the chart I'm staring at shows that if you were staring at a chart that covered from 1950 to 2016, you would see a line that goes directly diagonally across that chart from the lower left to the upper right. You know what it does? It shows 
It's a 2.4% annum growth rate on average for the U.S. real per capita net worth. That's per household, individual household. Now, 2.4% is the average growth rate over the last 65 years through all sorts of terrible stuff. And guess what? In the Q1 Census Bureau data from the Fed, we are right back to that 2.4% per annum growth rate. The same improvement on average seen for over six decades. Here's the bad secret. Things could and should have been much better. While we cannot relive the last eight years over, there is no doubt that it has been the fiscal policies which have shaved hundreds of billions of dollars off of the top of our growth rate that we've all fought so hard for in the recovery process since 08 and 09. Hundreds of billions of dollars of growth were shaved off and redistributed. Growth which would have benefited all as more jobs and more productivity would have been the likely result had better investment and growth incentives been at the forefront instead of redistribution. We've learned this in so many lessons in history over many other countries. Socialism and redistribution is not what causes opportunity for the masses. We can only hope that fiscal policies become the topic of the campaign for new presidents soon. That said, be confident in this it is still the case that today we are better off than ever before. Here's the kicker. As much as the media hype and politicians may find leverage in telling all of us otherwise, the data also show that the improvements have been well diversified. The income inequality that's such a big story out there is not a factor as we witness the facts in the ongoing rise in wealth. The data shows pretty clearly that the share of total income earned by both the top 5% and the bottom 20% of households has been essentially unchanged for many years. Hence, everyone is rising at relatively the same pace. It's been a paltry growth rate but we are rising. Like I said, it could have been a better growth rate if we weren't shaving billions off the top. So listen, hope these thoughts have been helpful. Let your advisor know if you need help. Use these thoughts in your planning. Enjoy the beginning of summer with family and friends over the weekend and pray for a summer swoon. Until we see you again, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.